Yo guys, oh, it's so exciting to be back. We're super pumped after yes. Labor Day weekend. Man, oh man, we have two fantastic guests coming on the show today. The one and only Cody Kearsley and Rob Wiley. Yes. They're here to talk about their film, River Road. Yeah, now guys, this is a dark, intense drama about the world of rock and roll and the music industry and the dark side and not so pleasant side of it. Uh, it's a fantastic indie film and their interview is fantastic. It talks about about the ups and downs of the industry and the ups and downs of indie and indie filmmaking and everything that you need to know as a possible person that wants to be an indie filmmaker and how to get all it. It's such a good interview. I completely agree. And I just felt like four guys just sitting around and having a conversation Hell about yeah. a passion that we all know and love. Hell yeah. Man, oh man. But that's later on the show. Now let's get a little crazy. <laughs> What's up? Episode 206. We're back yes. after Labor Day weekend. Like I said, man, oh man, you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Be sure to follow us on social media. We're anywhere and everywhere at those handles. And before we tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast, comment below in whatever form you're listening to, and tell us what you actually think about the show. Leave a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people who enjoy entertainment news or people who are trying to break into the entertainment industry because that's what we Facts. are here for we're here to give you all the tools and all the knowledge you need to be in that room where it happens and to continue moving forward in this entertainment industry but man oh man we got a lot to talk about a lot of shit happening at warner brothers discovery and i have to say shit because it's all shit i mean it, it, <laughs> it, it really it's is just yeah yeah I, I gotta ask you though first and foremost when do your boys play indiana do they play this weekend okay. so indiana played last night against illinois I actually fell asleep because I had to be up early this morning. I do not remember when if they won or not, but when I went to sleep, they were winning. So uh, uh, I hope they won. And I love anybody that beats the Illini. I'm just going to say it because yeah. me, go blue. My boys, the Wolverines, handily handing it to Colorado State so far, 44-7. to At least they finally fucking scored. Congratulations, guys. Uh, so anyway, now that we've got college game day out of the way, go blue. Yeah, a lot of shit yeah there's so there was a, actually though surprisingly enough there was a little bit of good news coming out of warner brothers teeny, a little tiny bit, bit tiny bit we'll talk about that but boy yeah what a fucking disaster yeah man it's absolutely <laughs> wild but before we get this thing started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy Ant media gear we got shirts we got hats we got everything yes. man you have a dog we have dog <laughs> shirts we have dog handkerchiefs we have little teddy bears with oh. our fucking designs on them they're so great guys so that's why we have anything and everything for everyone. So yes. be sure to check out our website, like I said. And be sure to head over to our YouTube channel, which some of you are watching live right now, and watch our film Deadlines. It's available right mm. now. Be sure to comment below. Let us know what you think. We love the feedback from anything and everything. It could be positive. It could be negative. We don't care. We just want to see what you thought. <laughs> it's all about starting that conversation. <laughs> First, we're starting with Disney, of course. Getting back to our bread and butter. The mouse 
house. Disney has confirmed this week that it is considering launching a paid membership program similar to Amazon Prime. Don't call it Amazon Prime. Don't call it <laughs> Disney Prime either. That would provide exclusive discounts and benefits across the entire portfolio of products and services. Details on the company's potential membership program are sparse right now. Um, uh, it, the initiative is at the drawing board stage. Uh, what exactly it ends up looking like remains to be determined at the moment, um, including what it costs and what specific perks it would be. Now, Disney's goal would be to create a personalized membership program to drive audiences to theme parks, cruises, and, of course, the movie theaters and their Disney-supported Disney Plus and other streaming services that fall under that banner and spur the sales of Disney merchandise, of course. The news first was reported by Wall Street Journal, which said some executives had internally referred to the idea (laughs) as Disney Prime, but although they do not not want to call it Disney Prime. Uh, they want it to be different from Amazon Prime, which geared prime uh, primarily towards the uh, free shipping benefits. But I mean, guys, we original. We need to be original. Well, like it seems like none of these companies can do that right now. I mean, my thing is is to just dismiss Amazon Prime as a free shipping service is ridiculous. It's so much more than so that. So much more. I do like the idea though if you become a whatever they're going to call it member yeah. that you get like benefits and and discounts on everything Disney. Yeah. I think it's a, a a wise idea, but do it in a way like you said that's going to be original. <laughs> and, yeah, man. But please don't just dismiss Amazon Prime as don't. a free shipping mm, thing. Come, it's come it's on. not that. <laughs> no. Now, in Dana Walton, who in my opinion should be running Disney, just saying, because she's a very smart woman, her first personnel move since being up to chairman of Disney General Entertainment three months ago, she has promoted three executives. Eric Schreier, who is taking on a new larger role, as well as Craig Erwich and Shannon Ryan, who are expanding their current responsibilities. Now, the biggest surprise is the move of 20-year FX veteran Schreier, who has been most recently FX chairman John Langraff's number two, Mm. to be become president of Disney Television Studios and Business Operations. So no longer number two. (laughs) Uh, Disney General Entertainment, Irwich has been promoted to president of ABC Entertainment, Hulu, and Disney-branded television streaming originals. Ryan has been up to president of marketing, Disney General Entertainment. So three big moves there. And I like, because remember, she's a Fox person, so Mm -hmm. she's doing what anybody does when they're put into a position. They're surrounding themselves with people that they're comfortable with. She clearly has a relationship with FX people from from her past. And I mean, that's a smart move. You put people around you that you trust and then get out of the way and then let them do it. So um, I just, she's a smart woman. I think she's got a really strong hold on what she's doing. And uh, Chappick should watch his back. I completely agree, man. I mean, there's a lot of things intertwining there at Disney. So we'll see what happens. It happens. Well, just Justin H. Men has joined the cast of Searchlight Pictures' The Greatest Hits. Men joins previously announced Lucy Bonton, an emotional movie musical from the writer and director Nade Benson, hmm. Ned Benson, uh, the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, if you might recognize that name. That's where he's from. While character <laughs> details are being kept under wraps, the project is described as a love story centering on the connection between music and memory and how the two transport us in in this case, 
of this film physically. Production on The Greatest Hits will kick off in September. So literally whenever. So yet another musical. Another one. That, I mean, clearly we are that that's full steam ahead from every studio, everywhere. Musical, 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 musical. Like, I know. I well just... on our off time watching all of these different things and watching the Paul Newman one, um, you know, I feel like filmmaking at its very core started with these musical pictures. Yeah. So it's surprising how like far away it got from that and how there was only a handful there for a while. But now coming back, it's like coming back to your roots, I feel like. Yeah, so well, you know, they 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 tried so hard to break up the studio system and to get away from the golden age of Hollywood and all that it was. And yet we see nothing but a return to the golden era of Hollywood. Yep. You were consolidating all the studios back to five or six majors, right? Now we're bringing back musicals. We're, we've got to the point now where people are ex- signing exclusive deals with studios, like uh, like contract players back in the day. It just seems like full circle. It's coming full circle back to where it was. And exactly. Is that good? We don't know. I guess we're going to find out. For sure. Uh, following her breakout role in the Apple TV Plus series Servant, Nell Tiger Free has found her first leading role in a major studio film, Congratulations. Sources say she is set to star in 20th Century's First Omen, which is, get this guys, a prequel to the classic horror franchise, The Omen. Exact plot details at where the new film will pick up is being kept under wraps, of course, but uh, that sounds exciting. I mean, yeah, I mean, very interesting. I, I'm man. a fan of The Omen, and I like prequels better than sequels. Yeah, completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. Well, Disney has set Chris Ludacris Bridges, Lil Rel Howery, and uh, Tyona Paris to star in a holiday comedy dashing through the snow yes which tim story is directing production is currently underway in atlanta with the film set to bow disney plus next holiday season the film is uh tells a story of two divorced social workers living in atlanta police are living in atlanta and work for atlanta's police department uh who despises christmas due to a painful childhood memory when sent on a call while spending Christmas Eve with his daughter, he inadvertently evokes a wrath of the local politicians, uh, but meets a man who helps him understand the joy and magic of Christmas. So it's kind of like a what they're doing with Santa Claus, Tim yeah. Allen's fucking Santa Claus. So yeah. there you go. It's kind of cool. Well, I love that they're keeping Tiona in the family, obviously, a, a Marvel and uh, on WandaVision and, and good to go. But... I, and it, did anybody think, raise your hand, if you thought Ludacris would join Disney? <laughs> wait, right. Wait, what? What's going on there? Uh, Marvel Studios. I'm loving this one, guys. This happened while we were on vacation, but we couldn't not want to talk about it because it's fucking amazing. Marvel Studios appears to be one step closer to finalizing plans for the highly anticipated Fantastic Four reboot. With the news that WandaVision, funny we just mentioned WandaVision, Helmer Matt Sheckman himself is in talks to actually direct the project. And with Shankman shifting focus to the MCU, the in-demand director unfortunately had some bad news for fans of another franchise. His planned Star Trek feature at Paramount Pictures gone. He exited that project. Rumors that Sheckman had been tapped to take the job uh, hit the internet earlier this month with the choice heralded by fans given the director's obvious success piloting WandaVision as Marvel Studios first foray into television because it was massively awesome. Now in regards to Fantastic Four, as you guys know at San Diego Comic Con in July Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige revealed that the movie would kick off phase six of the MCU when it debuts November 8th, 2024. However, news of who 
will be cast as the superhero team, which I'm betting we're going to find out next week. Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, the Human Torch, and the Thing, and primary foe Dr. Doom remain a mystery. John Krasinski, of course, who's been a longtime fan favorite to play Mr. Fantastic, appeared as an alternate version of the character earlier this year in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but it's unknown if the actor will reprise the role in the new movie. Now, Marvel's first priority, of course, was to lock down a director after John Watts, who helmed all three of Sony and Marvel's recent string of Spider-Man films, had previously been announced as the director, but exited the project back in April. So, um, I'm guessing we're going to find out. Like I said, Dis- Disney 23 Expo is right around the corner, and there's no way we're not finding out who's well, that's happening. I, I, we're going to find out. Yeah, man, I really hope so, man. It's going to be great, though. I'm really excited about oh, yeah. that. That's coming up right around the corner. Uh, Reagan Elia uh, from Exo and Kitty has joined the cast of Marvel Studios' Disney Plus series Ironheart oh. in an undisclosed role, though. No further details at the moment, but we will keep you updated <laughs> as we learn more. I know everybody's super excited about it it is yeah. I, it's, I, I mean i love marvel though like sometimes that's all you get yeah they're joining just, the show that's it that's it yeah that's, that's all we can tell you <laughs> and then sometimes they go into great detail like this yeah. ben kingsley is poised to reprise the role of trevor slatterly in the upcoming wonder man series from marvel studios at disney plus the show was first revealed to be in the works back in june as we told you it will focus on the marvel character simon williams aka wonder man now in the comics williams is the son of a wealthy industrialist whose company falls on hard times due to the competition from tony stark's stark industries williams then accepts an offer from villain Baron Zemo that gives him iconic superpowers, including super strength and durability. Now, after fighting the Avengers several times, Wonder Man ultimately joins their ranks and falls in love with a certain Scarlet Witch. Kingsley, <laughs> returning as Slattery, lends credence to reports that the show is intended to be a Hollywood satire, as it has been established that Slatterly is a failed actor, and if you're a comic book fan, you know Wonder Man has been an actor and a stuntman in the comic books. Now, exactly how Kingsley's would factor into the plot of the series and how many episodes he would appear in is being kept under wraps, but sources say he will play a major role. Now, Kingsley's Failed actor, Slattery, of you course know, first appeared in Iron Man 3, posing as the main villain, the Mandarin. The character was also featured in the short film All Hail the King, which fouled him into prison and getting released by one of the real Mandarin's associates. Slattery then, of course, returned as a good guy in last year's Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings, ultimately teaming with the superhero's side. He is taken prisoner by Shang-Chi's father, who is the Mandarin. <laughs> Shang-Chi filmmaker Destin Daniel Cretton is an executive producer and probably going to be the showrunner on Wonder Man, which explains why he's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes to, to get to all that with that's probably why he's going to be. At the yeah, show. for sure. But I mean, I love Ben Kingsley and I oh, love the, his interpretation of this character. He was absolutely hilarious in the third Iron Man. And then, of course, Shang-Chi, he oh, like yeah. fucking stole the show. With for him. sure. Yeah. Uh, the upcoming uh, Spiderwick Chronicles TV series at Disney Plus has cast Joy Bryant. Yes. Now, Bryant joins previously announced cast members, Leon Daniels, Noah Cartel, uh, as well as Christian Slater, mm. the the show is based on a popular book series of the same name by Tony uh, D. Terezzi uh, and Holly Black. Bryant has cast Helen Grace uh, as Helen Grace, 
Helen is described as smart, loving, and strong. In the wake of her divorce, Helen uproots her family from their home in Brooklyn to her grandfather, Arthur Spiderwick's estate in Michigan. A mother of three teenagers, she is doing everything she can to provide for her family while... um, also trying to help her son Jared resolve his mental health issues. So it's awesome that they're shining light on things like this, a single mother trying to figure everything out as a lot of America is doing, and then also mental health. As you know, we talk about mental health all the time on the show and how important it is. So I love that this is happening. And they couldn't have picked a better actress. I'm a huge fan of Joy Bryant from the get-go when I first seen her in Parenthood. and just I mean, oh, she's an absolute sure. gem. She's going to be great. Uh, the Sanderson sisters, you know them, you love them. I'm talking about Winifred, of course, played by Bette Midler, Sarah, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, and Mary, of course, the lovely Kathy Jimmy, are almost back. And guess what? They released the first teaser trailer for Hocus Pocus 2, giving a first taste of the wickedness to come. Now, the sequel premieres on Disney Plus right around the corner, guys, September 30th at the end of the month, just in time for that other little Halloween. Yeah, you know that season. <laughs> uh, although they died at the end of the first movie, as we all know. They have apparently risen, this time facing off against two young girls who light the candle again. Now, the cast of the sequel also includes Ted Lasso star Hannah Waddingham, Tony Hale, Sam Richardson, Doug Jones, Whitney Peake, and drag race queens Ginger Minge, Kamora Hall, and Cornbread. Okay. Okay. All right. Very and, interesting. Yeah. Well, I've got nothing left to say about <laughs> no, that. That's that sounds... it. Mic okay. drop. Mic drop. <laughs> that's so freaking funny. That's exciting, though. I know a lot you of people are... You gotta end on cornbread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're so excited about that one coming back. Demetrius Gross has been cast at, uh, by ABC as a lead opposite of Nev Campbell in its upcoming drama project, Avalon. Uh, the series based on uh, Michael Conley's short story comes from David E. Kelly, uh, A&E Studios, and 20th Television. Uh, Avalon, is that how you say it? Uh, Avalon. Avalon, <laughs> uh, which has a straight-to-series uh, order, takes place in the city, Avalon, on uh, Catalina Island, where L.A. Sheriff's Department Detective Nicole Nick Sarcy, uh, who's played by Campbell's, heads up a small office. Catalina has a local population that serves more than one million tourists a year, and mm. each day when ferries arrive, Hundreds of potential stories enter the island. Detective Sarcy uh, is pulled into career-defining mysteries that will change everything she knows about herself and the island. Gross will play Senior Deputy Deo Musa, uh, who is assigned to Catalina Island, a post he's resentful of as he was not promoted Uh. to detective. His core value seems to be defiant. Uh, cynicism informs uh, his every move about working on the island but despite the harsh words and terse manner he got he has a really good heart so he just hates her he just hates her <laughs> and he hates the island and he hates everything else yeah, uh, but, but, but damn it he's got a good heart he's got a good heart man it's fine it's fine what the fuck alright apparently ABC is also developing worst house on the block this one sounds interesting guys it's a half hour comedy series from 20th television now in the show when a poor family from South Texas inherits the worst house on the block in a chic L.A. neighborhood, they cause quite the stir among their neighbors. Tensions may flare, but ultimately we'll watch as three different families with nothing in common except their zip code and how overwhelmed they feel by the sheer number of Love Island episodes there are to watch. They start to find common ground and slowly but surely... 
friendship. Okay. It's like a modern day Beverly Hillbilly. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, oh, let's move some poor people into the rich neighborhood and see what happens. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, everybody's been wondering, so what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the dad on the Goldbergs because of that controversy, all that good oh, shit? Oh, yeah. Well, we have the answer for you. When fans of the Goldbergs tune in to ABC's sitcom's 10th season this fall, Jeff Garland, Patriarch Murray, Will have already been dead oh. for months. <laughs> in go. the recent interview, showrunners Alex uh, Barnow and uh, Chris Bishop unveiled they are indeed killing the character off. Ouch. Premiering September 21st, season 10 will also introduce a new member to the family as newlyweds Erica, who's played by Haley Ortina, and uh, Goff, who's played by Sam Lerner. They have a child. Uh, they have their first child, and it's detailing season 10. The showrunners said that viewers will be seeing more Pop pop of Judd Hirsch as Murray's death uh, brings the family closer. They also tease that David Hasselhoff <laughs> will play himself in a guest spot, so that's funny. Oh my god! Uh, season ten will mark its first time uh, Garland is completely absent from the Goldbergs throughout his nine-year run on the network. So there it is. I mean, it makes sense though. It makes sense. I mean, you kind of say some shady, shitty things and uh, you'll get canned. Yeah. So, and when they is. kill you off, that means you ain't coming back. No, no, yeah, no. no. Exactly. So, uh, guess who else is not coming back guys? Connor star, Michael Fishman. That's right. You know, DJ, he's leaving the APC sitcom, apparently ahead of season five. Now Fishman, as you know, played DJ Connor in the series, reprising the role he played for 10 seasons on Roseanne. Exact details on how Fishman will be written out of the show are currently under wraps, but it is supposedly going to leave the door open for him to return in the future episodes if he wishes. Now, Jaden Ray, who plays DJ's daughter Mary in the show, will be back, however, as a series regular. And get this, I saw he made a statement about this. Apparently wasn't his choice. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so, um, mm, mm. I know. I was just about to say it makes sense because, I mean, you play a character for so long, you want to try different things, but that's not good. If no, it wasn't no. his choice. It <laughs> wasn't his choice, but, uh, hey, they're leaving it open. They're not uh, killing you uh, off, bro, so be happy about that. You awkward. Know? <laughs> um, well, guys, the history of the pleasure seeker yes. pilot is not moving forward. Pro oh. Probably a little too creepy. Uh, and it's not going to be picked up by Hulu. The show was first ordered to pilot at the streaming service back in March of 2022. The decision not to move forward with the pilot comes about a month after Hulu picked up several other shows to series. So that's probably the reason or because it's a fucking creepy name. It does I, sound like, you know. You know, like there it is. Sure. Just saying. <laughs> okay, jumping over to Fox. Naveen Andrews, you know him, you love him from Lost. He has apparently signed on for a series regular role in season two of The Cleaning Lady at Fox. Now, season two of the drama series picks up with Thony, who, of course, is played by our lovely and talented uh, uh, Daredevil. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I love her to death. She's, she's fantastic. Desperately trying to find her son, Luca, after she was kidnapped, or he was kidnapped by his father, Marco, with nowhere else uh, to turn, she enlists the help of FBI agent Garrett Miller to track him down before they leave the country. Meanwhile, an incident involving Chris forces Fiona to shield her son by any means necessary, furthering the theme of how far a mother will go to protect her child. Now, Andrews will play Robert Camdar, Nadia's gregarious and charming ex-lover who is intent on driving a wedge between between Armand and Nadia. 
Uh, that's Electra, guys. Don't fuck with Electra. I'm just yeah, saying. You're exactly, I'm exactly. Just saying. And I also saw that uh, Oliver Hudson's going to be in this. I love Rules of Engagement. He's yeah. a great actor. I mean, he gets, like, too little of things. I don't know if it's by choice or whatever the fuck, but, I mean, he's a great actor. No, he is. He's fantastic. Um, Emmy-nominated writer, comedian, and actor Dwayne Perkins from The Amber Ruffin Show has been tapped to write and executive produce Fox's animated comedy series, Clue. Based off the Hasbro's hugely popular mystery, board game tim story has also been joined on this project to executive produce and with lynn barry the story company is the company they are working for the project which was set up at fox for development last year hails from hasbro's e1 and fox entertainment owned bento box entertainment which will serve as an animation studio no details about the premise of the animation series has been revealed beyond the assurances that it will be uh, so encapsulating and thrilling and suspenseful and dynamic that have made the clue global sensation more than seven decades. I was going to say, no details about the premise. It's the fucking board game, so I think we know the premise, right? Yeah, exactly, like, I mean, exactly. You got fucking mustard, uh, like plum, like green. Like, you got all those fuckers. Yeah. So, goofy shit. Goofy Do we shit. need a, a cartoon based on a board game? I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of cool that they're doing an animation. At least they're yeah. not doing it live action because, you know, we just got fucking Knives Out, Knives Out 2, Death on the Nile, all these Yeah, those different... are pretty much all Clue, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So at least it's animations geared towards younger audiences. Right. I, I'm with you on there. Yeah. Okay, so now we're jumping over to Warner Brothers Discovery where yet another executive is fleeing the ship. Uh, Courtney Valenti, president of production and development for Warner Brothers Pictures, will depart from the studio after, get this, guys, 33 years. Damn. Valenti will carry out her role until the end of October. Now, as president of production and development, Valenti oversaw Warner Brothers Pictures' live action and animated development teams and budgets, shepherding recent and upcoming films, including Elvis, Barbie, Furiosa, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and The Color Purple. Now, while there's been a lot of news about cuts being made at Warner Brothers by Zasloff, Valenti's departure is apparently not that. Mm. This is a highly respected studio executive with a great streak who's just actually looking to move on with what's next in her life. I think translation, she doesn't like Zasloff and she's just choosing to leave. Just saying. But that, <laughs> I mean, that's just my opinion, but probably. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if uh, some other people left too because of this decision. So we'll right? see, we'll see. Legendary Entertainment is said to be eyeing the move from its on-again, off-again home at Warner Brothers. Mm. As its deal with the studio expired recently, Sony and Paramount are said to be in the mix of the conversation. With the former A frontrunner, mm. Um, Warner Brothers has also had a new deal on the table with for Legendary, uh, which was previously at Universal and before that Warner Brothers. Uh, CEO David Zasloff has very publicly co is committed to theatrical, which is what Legendary wants, to be fair. I mean, after Dune, uh, the Dune fiasco with Jason Killar, um, but he he's also been flashing projects and deals with high-profile producers, including J.J. Abrams, yeah. and some of the outside conversations made sense as the deal of Warner Brothers it needs to be renegotiated. But with everything being so, like, shooken up over there, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to another place. Yeah, I think Sony's going to get that edge. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, why is this big news, guys? Because we've heard Zasloff say over and over and over again they don't have any money. 
they he claims they have not enough money to only put out two movies a year now or market two movies a year. And as you guys know, Legendary, they co-finance all the films they do with Warner Brothers. Yep. So that's a huge loss if you don't have any money and you can't not only can you not market films, but if you lose somebody that pays for half of them to be made, mm. then what kind of trouble are you in? I mean, I just, but you, can you blame them? I mean, I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time trusting Zasloff because they, he might commit to you and then decide, ah, fuck it and cut you loose. And exactly. cause he's done that. So I don't know. Yeah. Earlier this month, Warner brothers discovery, bad boy CEO, David Zasloff made it clear that he wanted to find his, Kevin Feige for the company's struggling DC Films unit. Well, this week it was announced that Dan Lin, the producer of the Lego Batman movie, has emerged as one possible contender, as has Emma Watts, a veteran executive with stints at Paramount and 20th Century Fox. Now, both are well-respected with deep connections throughout Hollywood. Whoever takes the equivalent of the Feige job at DC will, by contrast, inherit a Justice League pun intended, sized series of preconditions, entrenched systems, PR migraines, and on top of a stupendous task of trying to build a slate of film and TV titles that could equal the MCU. Here's a few of the challenges ahead, okay? They have to get past the Batgirl cancellation, mm -hmm. right? They have to figure out how to merge the television and TV sides, which apparently they just do not want to try to do. They're bashing the CW Arrowverse shows, which they shouldn't be because they're what fucking works, right? Then they have all these separate things. The Batman and the Joker and the, the animated stuff. None of them are connected, right? And we have to talk about the guy, the, the big elephant in the room, Ezra Miller, mm -hmm. right? What are you doing with that situation? And how does the rescheduling of that fuck with your other two, Aquaman and Shazam? And where does that leave Black Adam? So let's talk about it. How the fuck does whoever they choose as their Kevin Feige come in and mess with all that shit? Yeah, I mean, I we've said it on multiple times and multiple different shows. I think you should just build off of your grounded fucking batman universe i think what robert pattison and uh, matt reeves are doing is very special now with that being said he has no idea how to even approach like superman or aquaman or wonder woman so i mean that's another thing to consider now i'm not saying that i have the answers but that grounded in reality type of content i feel like and dark content because that type of dark content really worked but i feel like that's what will work for you but I also, on the other hand, because there's, I have so many different emotions about mm -hmm. this. On the other hand, I feel like you need to find your Superman. This is your pinnacle of a superhero, literally Superman. But fucking, like, they just haven't been able to quote unquote do it right. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know. I really don't know well, the answer. They obviously should fucking move away no, from Ezra, but yeah. yeah. And there's so many different things within the company. You hear all these different things. So like. We hear time and time again they don't know how to make Superman relevant, yet they talk about how happy they were with the performance that they're seeing on Superman and Lois yeah. from Tyler Hochin as Superman. Then we hear go. they're bringing back Henry Cavill because they want Henry Cavill and they want uh, Ben Affleck and they want Gail Godot all to come back. There's rumors that they're doing reshoots and putting them all into Aquaman and The Flash and Black Adam. And then... We say none of that's true because they don't want to build off the Snyder universe anymore and they want to do the Batman uh, Pattison version of it. So, so, and then 
on the other side, I just read today that the only good thing they liked about Batgirl was Keaton's Batman and would like to keep going with there. See, that is the problem. How can you say don't know. you want Tyler Hoshin, but you want Henry Cavill? You want Ben Affleck, but you love uh, Robert Pattinson and you like Michael Keaton. And you don't want to build off the Snyderverse, but you want to bring all the Snyderverse people back and put them in the movies. Like, they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing. No, they're not and confident at all. I think, and, and you know, we've talked about this, and we've talked about this with our podcast producer, Jason, and uh, they need to go the opposite route of what... Marvel did, in my opinion, right? Because Marvel started off in the film side of it, right? And then they built, and now they're going into the TV side, and they're combining it all together, and they're using and crisscrossing and all that, and they've done it brilliantly. The CW, the Arrowverse, established comic book accurate, fan favorite shows that people loved with solid actors, solid performances, solid storylines. You don't get to lay, a, be on the air for seven, eight, nine years if people don't like it or it sucks, right? And yet, they're hammering it as if they're not happy about it. But you should use that and build from your TV side into the movie side and then incorporate. Go the opposite route. Don't be Marvel. If you want to emulate Marvel, do it different. You right, right? I mean, they have the building block with that Arrowverse. I felt like they've always had the building block with the Arrowverse. Just use that and and go. The Arrowverse is so dark. Arrow was a dark as fuck, right? And some of the other shows are dark. So I'm with you. Use Pattison's Batman. Incorporate the Arrowverse into Pattison and Matt Reeves' Batman world. Problem fucking solved. Mm -hmm. And you would go forward with there. And I don't think anybody would have a problem with Gail Gadot popping up as Wonder Woman in there. That would be fine, right? Like, I just think that that's the way they should go. My yeah, opinion. I mean, they, they got to figure something out. Because like I just said, they're not confident in any of their decisions that they're doing. And they're very wishy-washy on literally everything. With you being that wishy-washy and promoting that much stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these actors don't want to come back and play the characters. Right. Because, like, you know, it this is their job. They have to make money to pay for things. <laughs> one plus one equals two. Right. So, I mean, you just, you know, as an actor, I wouldn't want to come back because it's just too much bullshit. So, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it's just all absolutely wild. We don't know what's going to happen. And then, I mean, of course, while we were on break, fucking the funeral brigade of the Batgirl mm. being seen for, you know, cast and yeah. behind the scene yeah. people and some executives and shit. And just like, oh my God but yeah who knows man who knows what they're gonna fucking do it's probably not gonna be the right decision but we'll be here to report it for you so yeah. there there it is there it is uh well some other stuff that's happening at warner brothers discovery brendan gleason is currently generating oscar buzz for his work in the banshees and uh insecurant uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a move from the west coast of ireland uh to the seedy streets of gotham city the veteran character actor is set to premiere in joker the fucking musical along <laughs> Alongside Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga. 
uh, who play the Clown Prince of Chaos and his main squeeze, Hotta Queen, Mr. J. Uh, no details yet on who Gleason will be playing, while much of the Joker sequel remains uh, shrouded in mystery, fans can safely expect the film to remain in their own independent universe like we just talked about. That means the movie will likely lack any connection to either the DC uh, connected universes, Justice League films, in which feature, of course, uh, Baffleck, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman, or this year's The Batman, which was directed by Matt Reeves and starred Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusader. So, we have no idea how that's going to go down. I think this is one that's going to be a huge bomb, and in see, my opinion. And yet, just exactly what we were talking about. Like, not connected to any of the... They want to build a universe, but they keep making shit that's not connected in a universe. Like, that that, that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, the past few weeks have also been tumultuous period for DC's animated properties at HBO Max, with the purge of dozens of HBO Max series from the streamer, including Aquaman King of Atlantis. And this one is the crazy one to me. And the Batman animated series Caped Crusader which now is apparently being shopped around to other platforms and everybody fucking wants it rightfully so it's like the darker version of Batman the animated series yep so why is that important because apparently Harley Quinn has been renewed for season four at HBO Max now in addition to the renewal the stream will also announce that Sarah Peters who has written for the show since season one serves as a consulting producer has been promoted to executive producer and will take over duties as showrunner from uh, creators Justin Helpern and Patrick Schumacher now the news arrives as Harley Quinn continues to air in its third season which has been released new episodes on Thursdays. The season three finale will debut on HBO Max September 15th. The season which premiered July 28th is the animated series first on HBO Max because as you guys know it began as an original show for the streaming service DC Universe which of course was dissolved. Now why I say why is it important about Batman? Fucking Harley Quinn was created for Batman the Animated Series. The yeah. only reason that she's as popular... She wasn't in the comic books, guys. She was literally created as a one-episode guest character on Batman the Animated Series, but blew up to become this popular thing. So you're going to renew Harley Quinn, which, don't get me wrong, I'm super pumped that they're renewing Harley Quinn, but you're not going to go forward with the show that's basically the continuation of the show that fucking launched Harley Quinn? It makes no fucking sense to me. Everybody was so on board. When we were first reported this a couple months ago, the response was huge. Everybody wants this. Wait a minute. The Batman the Animated Series, but darker and more. Everybody wants that shit. And now you're just going to sell it off to another streamer? Mm. What the fuck? Yeah. It's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. And that's not it. Guys, that's not it. Something that DC had an edge up on Marvel, in our opinions. DC fandom. You know, the virtual event that was happening during COVID? Well, guess what? Not being held this (laughs) fall. According to a statement from Warner Brothers Discovery, the company decided not to produce DC fandom this year in response to the return of in-person events instead of planning to announce news out of various comic conventions around the world. Now, a spokesperson from DC came out with a statement saying, quote, with the return of 
of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our friends live at numerous Comic-Cons around the world and will not be scheduling DC Fandom for 2022. That is absolutely ridiculous because Marvel was talking about doing a same type of fucking content type of thing. Just create your own convention. Have people come to DC Fandom and see these motherfuckers. Yeah, because look, you showed up at Comic-Con and you didn't do shit. Yeah. You like literally did not do shit. So you're saying you're going to show up at what? Other Comic-Cons and not do shit? Well, that's my thing. I just don't think they have anything else. I don't think they have anything else to promote and which it's crazy because like two years ago, the Batman trailer dropped and a couple of other things. Everybody was super freaking pumped. But now like I don't think they have anything else to promote. They better, they, all I'm saying is they better fucking not get rid of Doom Patrol. They better not get rid of fucking Titans because both of those are dark, twisted ass shows. And clearly, like you have said, and like I have said, and like I think all of them, the, the world is saying, we want the dark shit. So keep the dark shit. Keep moving forward with it. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. I just, they're, they're clueless. They are. They're clueless. And as a lifelong comic book fan, I am just like, it's so amazing to me to see the, the the massive success of one side and the utter complete failure of the other side when it all started with DC. Yep. Remember, Superman the movie, it doesn't succeed. None of this exists. None of it. So uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I know you're super pumped about this. So excited. I haven't watched it yet, but I got to jump on it. HBO's House of Dragon, of course, is what I'm talking about. It was apparently up 2% from its premiere episode, which amounts to 10.2 million viewers domestically across HBO Max and linear telecast based on a combination of Nielsen and first party data. Now, the series premiere of House of the Dragon is now approaching 25 million viewers in the the U.S. after one week of availability, and as you guys know, already renewed for season two, just after the pilot episode. So it was like, boom. Okay, so popular, we're gonna go. Not all good news for it, though. Yeah, exactly. House of the Dragon co-showrunner and executive producer and director Miguel Spotnik is exiting the oh. HBO series <laughs> after the its uh, second season. Spotnik will continue to be uh, credited as executive producer on the hit prequel series, but fellow uh, co-showrunner Ryan Condo will now be sole showrunner. Uh, in addition, uh, Spotnik uh, has entered into a first look deal with HBO to develop uh, more projects for the premium cabler. Uh, now, this guy directed multiple acclaim episodes of Game of Thrones prior to joining the House House of the Dragon. So it's very exciting news. And man, oh man, two percent doesn't sound like a lot, but when you hear ten point two million people, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of freaking people. And I've watched both episodes twice. Yeah. So. Well, well, and it's funny because the guy who's leaving it directed that premiere episode that saw those massive numbers. But it makes sense to me. I mean, he's been heavily involved with Game of Thrones the whole time, and now he's on the new one, and. Now, he just wants to try new shit. It's like, you know, it makes yeah, sense. for sure. Uh, Carla Giugino has been cast in series, as a series regular role in the upcoming HBO Max series, The Girls on the Bus. This one just keeps adding awesome people. Uh, Gugino is the latest addition to the cast, joining previously announced cast members like Melissa Benoist, Natasha 
Benham, Christina Elmore, and Brandon Scott. Now, Gugino will play Grace Gordon Green, a veteran reporter and friend and mentor to Sadie, who, of course, is being played by uh, Melissa Benoist. Grace is a journalistic royalty known as Queen of the Scoop. Now, as we've told you, The Girls on the Bus is inspired by a chapter in Amy Chosnick's book, Chasing Hillary. It's described as a comedic character-driven drama, so a dramedy, that chronicles four female journalists who foul every move of a parade of flawed presidential candidates while finding friendship, love, and scandal along the way. Mm. It looks really good. I'm excited it for does. it. It does. Me too. Um, Oscar winner Octavia Spencer is set to executive produce Feds, a six-part documentary series about the FBI for ID and Discovery+. Plus. Uh, the project is the second to be announced as part of Spencer's multi-part deal with ID and Discovery+. Plus, With her Ort uh, Entertainment and October Films. Mm. Now, Feds will give viewers an inside look at America's leading crime-fighting agency, the FBI, with exclusive access at active-duty FBI agents and details of high-profile and unusual cases uh, told by agents, informants, undercover operatives, and victims. Oh. Featured investigations will range from uh, about MS-13 in Boston, the gang, and taking down to a multi-million dollar drug empire in Florida. Now, the series also uncovers looming tragedies that the FBI was able to thwart. So... There it is, guys. I think that's extremely timely. Good for them because at a time right now where the, where you know MAGA Republicans are just you know vilifying the FBI and, and threats are coming against them on a daily basis and everything, a series to highlight the FBI and what they do and how they keep us safe is probably a brilliant idea right now. Agreed. Uh, jumping over to Paramount, Tom Cruise. He's in a battle weekend battle right now with. Can you believe this? Top Gun Maverick is battling Spider Man <laughs> for the number one spot. Yeah, you know it was re released. And they're battling for the number one spot. It's crazy. Spidey took Friday, but we'll see. Anyway, it doesn't matter because he's still breaking records other places. Tom Cruise's blockbuster sequel, Top Gun Maverick, has roared into the record books as the number one best-selling digital sell-through title ever in the U.S. in its first week of release. Paramount Home Entertainment said Top Gun Maverick, which was released on digital August 23rd, also is already one of the top 20 best-selling digital releases in history after being available for just one week. <laughs> in addition, the digital release of the film was the top-selling item on Amazon in the U.S. across every category on the day of its release. The film has been the number one bestseller on Fandango's Voodoo since digital release, and the Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick bundle is its best-selling top bundle. So it only makes sense. This guy is kicking ass with this movie. Yeah, it I mean, really does make sense. It's a great film. It's a great freaking film. It is. This next one was inevitable because, I mean, if you knew, there was already kind of like a bundle package going on with these two streamers. Yeah, we have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Paramount has combined Paramount Plus and Showtime into one single merged letting uh service letting subscribers access content from both streamers in one place it's also offering promotional discounts on the paramount plus showtime bundle of up to 33 percent for the next month available starting august 30th the new paramount plus with showtime bundle experience lets 
subscribers upgrade their Paramount Plus subscription to a bundle that includes the Showtime service and then able to watch all the content in a single user experience. Now, Paramount has sold a Paramount Plus Showtime bundle for about a year now, the one that we have, but until now, that required using separate apps for each of the services. Uh, Paramount will continue to offer Showtime separately for an additional $10.99 per month as a standalone service and through a third-party distributor, aka Apple TV. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, definitely worth it. I'm watching Shameless right now, and I love it. Oh, yeah, So yeah. good. Now, I don't know how that's going to affect ours. Will we no longer well, be able uh, to have to do it through Apple, or can we just do it through, like, a who knows? But yeah, exactly. I like I kind of like Apple having it all in one place, though. So yeah, exactly. I hope that doesn't fuck it up. All right, you know, you love it. It's uh, Everybody's talking about it. When's it going to come back? When's it going to be on? When are we going to see it? How's it going to go down? What's going to happen? Well, now we know Yellowstone is back. They released the first teaser for the fifth season of Paramount Network's hit Western series. Paramount Network premiered the first footage during the MTV Music Awards this past week. The fifth season of Yellowstone will premiere. Are you ready, guys? On the Paramount Network in a two-hour event. Win, win, win. November 13th. Yes. And as the promo teases, all will be revealed. It showed footage of Kevin Costner's John Dutton. Firearms being reloaded at the Dutton family, gearing up to defend their ranch land. The teaser reveal arrived as Paramount Network launched its Yellowstone series marathon, which started yesterday so if you haven't caught up on all of the episodes or if you haven't even fucking started watching this show yet get your ass over get on there and watch you'll be hooked trust me once you watch the first episode you're gonna have to keep watching keep watching keep watching catch up Fucking awesome. November 13th. I can't wait. Exactly, man. Exactly. We also learned that the return of the powerhouse character attorney Angela Blue Thunder in season five of Yellowstone when it premieres November 13th. The character last appeared in the hit Paramount Network series in season three's finale titled The World is Purple. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, she I mean, was a badass, and I think they're going to need her. Apparently, if they've got all the guns at the ranch, they're about to take some people down. They're exactly. going to need a powerful attorney. Exactly. <laughs> just, just look it up on Amazon or on Amazon on uh, IMDb Pro who the character or who the actress is yes. because not going to butcher that name. <laughs> Not she's an amazing it. actress, though. Like, she she's, is. She's fantastic. She's epic. Uh, Sebastian Roche is on his way to the 1923, uh, which, of course, is the Yellowstone prequel at Paramount+. Plus. He's going to be in a recurring role. Now, details regarding his character have not yet been revealed. He joins Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford among the series cast. Now, the Yellowstone prequel series created by Taylor Sheridan fouls the same Dutton family's next two generations after the one we saw in 1883 as they now try to struggle to survive the historic drought lawlessness and prohibition and an epidemic of cattle theft Mm. that they all battled beneath the cloud of montana's great depression which preceded the nation's big depression by almost a decade it will also touch on the end of world war one which occurred around 1918 so yeah i'm excited to see where the next generation goes and like i i can't get enough of it yeah exactly man exactly it's very interesting now fans who love rose mcclerver and holiday programming as much as they love her and ghost are in a yuletide treat man this is freaking exciting this season the cbs comedy will include a special double holiday episode variety has exclusively learned a back-to-back episode so that will air thursday december 15th 
per the official's description, when Jay's sister Bella returned to the Woodstone Mansion for a holiday visit that brings along a platonic male friend, Samantha, inspired by the holiday rom-coms she adores, (laughs) makes it her mission to spark a holiday romance between them. Meanwhile, the ghosts have conquered up a very different holiday plan, also involving Bella. So there it is, man. There it is. How do you do ghosts and fucking holidays? You're going to find out. It's funny, though, that Samantha, you know, is is a lover of rom-coms because, of course, she has starred in a bunch of rom-coms, mm-hmm. you know, and now, you know, is in this. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, right. Uh, mm, jumping over to NBC Universal. Uh, in maybe the strongest sign yet, y'all, that linear television may be on its last breath, yep. NBC mm-hmm. is actually considering giving back the 10 p.m. hour of prime time to local affiliates, mm. a potentially significant tipping point for the legacy broadcast TV model. Now, internal discussions have been going on for a number of years at the Comcast-owned NBC Universal. According to a person familiar with the situation, no firm decision has been reached. The soonest a move could be made would be a year from now, given the complex web of agreements in place at affiliates and advertisers. Now, guys, if you're not, you know, familiar with and you've been living under a fucking rock if you're not abc cbs and nbc have of course offered at least three hours of national primetime television uh, programming for decades yeah so like i mean it just makes no sense that all of a sudden let's just give it back the nightly schedules for broadcast networks particularly the legacy big three have already started to reflect the changing times though live sports and non-scripted fare have begun dominating the grid given the difficulty of launching and sustaining popular shows chiefly based on their popularity of linear tv we all know it if it doesn't get right out of the gate it's fucking canceled so yeah, exactly i think uh nbc and i think i i don't know man i think universal might be the first one to feature a demise to be honest with you i mean i think it could be sold off real quick because i mean their streaming service isn't doing really well and i mean they haven't i when was the last hit movie they put out i mean to be honest i, I don't i mean know. the jurassic world stuff but yeah that but that wasn't like, even yeah. like critically good and fans didn't really like it so we'll yeah. see man we'll see but there is another change coming to the Dick Wolf universe, though. Sean Jabolski is stepping in as the new showrunner for Law & Order Organized Crime for the upcoming third season. Now, Sean becomes the fifth showrunner on the series, <laughs> replacing Brian Gobolf, uh, who was announced in season three to be the showrunner in May. Uh, Barry O'Brien had been named the interim showrunner in February following the exit of Eileen Chacken. Uh, prior to Chacken, Matt Olmstead was the showrunner. Now, later this month, Law & Order SVU, our Law & Order SVU and Organized Crime will come together for a crossover event kicking off the fall season, marking it the first big crossover of all three shows. Now, that one's set for September 22nd. Now, see, that's confusing to me because we just talked about how NBC is likely going to give up the third hour of primetime. Yeah. What does this mean for Dick Wolf? Because he's got the Chicago franchise, the Law & Order franchise, both on NBC and both have all three-hour blocks on on those nights. Yeah. How do you do a three-hour crossover event with your Law & Order stuff if the third hour's gone? Exactly. And can I just say, what the fuck? Five showrunners in three seasons? What the fuck is going on there? It's not a good sign. Like, no. I mean, and I love the show. I did see, though, that fans are really, like, they want Benson 
and and Stabler together, and they like the crossovers that, but they want it more often. So maybe the change in showrunner is to make that happen. I, I hopefully. Oh, uh, Jesse Lee Soffer is turning in his badge on Chicago PD. The, the, wow. Wow, really? The upcoming 10th season will be the last for Soffer. Uh, the actor has portrayed Detective Jay Halstead since the series debut in 2014. He's appeared in all 187 episodes, so he'll be departing sometime in the fall. Halstead has been at the center of the show since the beginning. Over the past two seasons, he's become Sergeant Hank Voigt's right-hand man and married Detective Haley Upton. So this is... This is a shocker because he's like a major guy and has been in like every episode for him to just not be there anymore. fucking Meredith Grey in Chicago, man. Like what's going to happen? Exactly. Like, Like, I don't know, man. Oh, oh, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. But more things shaken up at SNL Saturday Night Live. Um, Alex Motef, uh, Melissa Vinoyser, Arsenio Authority are not expected to return for the vulnerable NBC late night programming's 48th season according to a person familiar with the matter adding to an exodus that began in May with uh, Kate McKinnon, A.D. Bryant Kylie Mooney or Kyle Mooney and of course Pete Davidson Mm. revealed plans to exit the show. The cast shifts are likely to leave a handful of current members shouldering more responsibilities each week. Now SNL has enjoyed the use of a larger than usual group of players in recent months and among those getting more on airtime are Heidi Gardner, Chloe Feynman, Ego uh, Nomim, uh, Mikey Day, uh, Chris Reed, and Bowen Yang. Now the status of veterans including Colin Jost, Michael Che, Keenan Thompson, and uh, Cecilia Strong for next season and has yet to be officially revealed by NBC for more people. So We'll see, man. That's a lot of exits. And by the way, all those people that you just named at the end there have all hinted that they want to as well to leave. Yeah, man. If they lose those, if they lose Keenan Thompson and Colin Jost, and that fuck, man, maybe it is time to end it. Exactly. Just saying. Rutherford Falls canceled at Peacock after its second season. This is exactly what you're talking about. Do they have any fucking hits? The cast included Ed Helms, Jana Schmigning, Michael Grayes, Jesse Lee, and Dustin Milligan. Now, per the official logline, the show follows lifelong best friends Nathaniel Rutherford and Reagan Wells, who find themselves at a crossroads quite literally when their sleepy town gets an unexpected wake-up call. The show received strong reviews from critics upon its debut, who praised the humor as well as the willingness to address issues facing indigenous people in America. The show also made a point of hiring multiple indigenous writers and performers as part of its production team. But apparently the audience didn't give a shit. That's what I, well, I'm saying, like, I just don't feel like they're marketing things right. I don't feel like no one knows what's on the Peacock other than things that have already been on NBC or USA. Like, so I just feel like, you know, this sounded interesting. It's an important topic with indigenous people getting that representation for diversity. And that's why I wanted to put it in there because I feel like they're just not marketing things right. They don't know what to do. They're kind of like the Warner Brothers of the lower studios. So it's just, mm, just saying. Jump to Paramount. They yeah, can put you right? in any of the Yellowstone series Literally. and you guys will be fine. Just, exactly. just like they know what they're doing. That, I'm just saying. Exactly. <laughs> With a lot of indigenous like storylines. Exactly. So it, or even fuck, fuck the CW. Go on over and be on Walker's yeah. like, 1800s show there with uh, Catherine uh, McNamara. Mm-hmm. Be fantastic. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> big question everybody is asking going into this weekend, will Spider-Man be able to save the box office? 
again. Yes, actually, there is a chance for Spider-Man No Way Home, and this time with a little bit more stuff that's fun. Uh, could be number one in the domestic box office chart. Roughly eight months after the superhero yeah. adventure swooped into cinemas and revived the theater industry, for sure. Sony re-released the film, which already grossed an astounding $804 million in North America and around $1.9 billion globally. Now, in 3,850 plus theaters this Labor Day weekend, this time with a glorious 11 minutes of extra footage, only one new movie, the church satire Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, is playing in a significant number of theaters, though. But in addition to screening in 1800 venues, uh, there's also debuting day and date on Peacock, so that might yeah. be a little uh. so. Box office watchers aren't really expecting it to make a meaningful impact on ticket sales. So if Spidey can hold the t hold off Maverick, he might indeed swing back into the top of the charts. He but was able to he was able to hold off Maverick on Friday. He did top the charts on Friday, so we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting though, and I'm kind of worried about um fucking old boy there, uh <laughs> Randall. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Why am I kind of worried about yeah. his uh, movie box office uh, career because you see that. Hotel Artemis was all right, but it wasn't that great, and it didn't do really good with the box office numbers. That's pre-pandemic, and this is post-pandemic, and I feel like not a lot of people know about this film, so we'll see. You, you want to save him? Just put him in a movie with Susan Kalashawan because everybody loves him and Beth. Yeah. And just <laughs> put them in a movie together, and it'll be fine. I'll exactly. Just say. Sterling K. Brown. There it is. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. All right, jumping over to Amazon slash MGM because now they're Amazon's this is this is for your House of the Dragon. This is for me. I'm super pumped. Amazon's long-awaited The Lord of the Rings TV series, The Rings of Power, made its epic debut with a two-episode launch yesterday. A big budget drama that has been years in the making. The story centers on the second age of author J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle Earth, a time not yet explored on screen, and thus likely not familiar to the casual Lord of the Rings fan, certainly not to those in Entirely new to the world of the elves, ants, dwarves, harfoots, orcs, and humans, just to name a few. It's apparently off to a huge start, though, but Prime Video is forging a new path with the series, with reviews actually being held for 72 hours to weed out the trolls. That's because racist comments have criticized the series for, for its diverse casting. The Rings of Power currently has a 34% average audience score on Rotten Tomatoes compared to 87% critic score. And that's because, as you guys know, this is happening with so much shit on Rotten Tomatoes. People will go in and, and bomb it intentionally with bad reviews before it even comes out yeah. so to try to control it which is fucked up so good for them for holding the reviews yeah for it's the same that just happened I mean, to She-Hulk man yeah. it's crazy I loved that though did you see in the new episode of She-Hulk they used actual fucking bad reviews off Twitter actual slam in the show That's that funny. was fucking badass yeah, I was good exactly. for them for doing it that's man. awesome but yeah I mean Amazon really needs that especially spending a shit ton of money oh, yeah. on it man but it's a great time to love the medieval times oh, to be honest hell yeah uh the summer i turned pretty this summer obviously the fuck season two has amazon uh, cast kira sedwick and eliza fisher in recurring roles no details about the upcoming season or roles they will play uh 
been released yet, but the show is based on Jenny Han's book series of the same name. It was renewed for a second season before season one had even premiered, so season two is currently in production at the moment, and no premiere date has yet been set, but I mean, shit. I don't know. I don't even. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hear all kinds of things about this, but I haven't watched it, so I don't have a clue. Yeah, I don't have an opinion. Man, Netflix had a shit ton of fucking news, guys, while we were on vacation and all this week. So sit down, buckle in, gear up. Here it all comes. Now you know they've been getting their hand, uh, their ass handed to them pretty, pretty easily by Disney lately, and they're like, "Not again! Not again! We're not going to let it happen." So Netflix is moving up the timeline for their debut of its cheaper ad-supported plan to November in order to get out before the December 8th launch of Disney Plus's tier with the advertising, which they plan on launching uh, soon. So in July, Netflix told investors that it was targeting the launch of the ad-supported plan around the early part of 2023. But now, Netflix's ad-supported service is set to go live November 1st in multiple countries, including here in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., France, and Germany. According to industry insiders who have been briefed on the streamer's plans, that would be a little over a month before Disney Plus basic priced at $7.99 a month hits the market in the U.S. They're like, fuck that. We can't just say we got to fucking beat them at something. Exactly. That's so funny, man. The producer behind the big Netflix series Narcos has filed a lawsuit claiming he has owed more than $1 million in unpaid Uh profits from the show. Now, Jose Palena has sued fellow producer Eric Newman claiming that Newman has breached an agreement split all profits on the show 50-50. Now, the complaint alleges that Newman and his company have received several million dollars in revenues arising from or connected with Narcos that have not been reported to uh, plaintiffs. Now, the suit seeks to recoup 50% of the unreported revenues as well as punitive damages. Newman has a long-standing relationship with Netflix. He is currently producing Rebel Moon, the streamer's mega-budget sci-fi epic from director Zack Snyder. In addition to Narcos, his other Netflix projects include Bright with Will Smith and Hemlock Grove, which is the second show streamer I had ever produced. So, mm, kind of shady, yeah, man. So the kinda one producer shady. has like this big relationship with Netflix, and the guy that he promised to pay half the profits to does not, and he's... It's yeah, like, I mean, would we be surprised if he was like, bro, I haven't gotten paid yet either. Netflix doesn't have any money. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's true, too. I mean, yeah. I am super fucking excited about this one. I've been a fan of all of them. I am thrilled. I cannot wait. The long-awaited sequel to the classic comedy franchise, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop, can't even talk, is a go finally as sources say that Taylor Page and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have joined the series star Eddie Murphy in Netflix's newly titled, that's right, we have a title for it now, Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. Mm. I guess he's moving. He's going to officially be a Beverly Hills cop. Production on the sequel is underway with Mark Maloli directing. Now, Murphy, of course, is back as Axel Foley and will produce along with Jerry Bruckheimer and Chad Oman of Jerry Bruckheimer Films. The franchise, as you guys know, moved from Paramount, its original home, to Netflix in the winter of 2019. Mm. So, pumped about that. I can't wait. Yeah, he's he looking a little old, though. He's looking a little Well, rough. remember, I mean, initially you know. it was his son was supposed to take over the franchise. 
Foley's, and it was going to be Axel Foley's son, yeah. but I guess that just didn't pan out. They should have did that. <laughs> uh, the first part of Manifest Season 4 will premiere on Netflix on November 4th, consisting of 10 episodes. Season 4 Part 1 comes over a year after Manifest was canceled by NBC, where it originally aired. Before its cancellation, though, the series arrived on Netflix and quickly uh, rose to the top of the streamer's top 10 rankings. Netflix then picked it up for a fourth and final season on August of 2021. Season 1 of Manifest spent 16 weeks on the Netflix's uh, top 10 list. Wow. But that success didn't come during the st- streaming debut alone. The season reappeared on the chart recently during July 4th through the 10th viewing window. Season 2 and 3 followed the suit with the next week. So mm. a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, yeah. The question is, I'm just curious because remember they picked up um, Lucifer for a final season and then it was so fucking huge they negotiated to do another I'm wondering if they're going to do that with Manifest because I think you're going to see crazy numbers from that and I, I just don't know if this will be the final season for sure uh this has long been a question too would they or would they not address the currents in the crown i'm talking of course about prince william and kate apparently the answer is yes Mm. the makers of hit netflix series the crown have indeed revealed who is set to play prince william and kate middleton in season six now two actors have been cast as the young prince 16 year old rufus Campa and 21 year old ed mcvee meanwhile meg bellamy is set to play kate middleton now given kate's on-screen debut and the casting of a 16 year old Campa as a younger version of william All signs are pointing to season six, which is set to go into production this fall. We'll be focusing on the late 1990s and early 2000s. As you guys know, Prince William was only 15 in August of 1997 when his mother died. He took a gap year before enrolling at St. Andrews University in Scotland in 2001, where he, of course, eventually met fellow pupil Kate. They went on to date for 10 years before eventually tying the knot in 2011. So clearly that is the era and the point of the storyline. And we know they are addressing the death of Diana. So Yeah, didn't they once say that they wouldn't go up to current time, though? Yeah. Oh, so, so that's very interesting. Yeah. Like doubling, doubling down mm-hmm. on uh, hypocrisy. Uh, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, Jay Duplass, and Andy Garcia will join the cast of The Pain Hustlers, oh. teaming up with Emily Blunt and Chris Evans in the Netflix film. Now, David uh, Diarchy James, um, Brian Diarchy James, not David, um, from Spotlight and West Side Story, Chloe Coleman from My Spy and Marry Me are rounding out this ensemble. Now, it's not clear on who. O'Hara, Duplass, Garcia, James, or Coleman will play in this film. Netflix shelled out about $50 million to land the rights of this one, though, during uh, this year's Cons Festival. So, we'll see. We'll see, man. Yeah, that's a lot. Fuck. It is. Uh, Nicole Power has joined the ensemble of the upcoming Netflix drama series, Glamorous. She will appear alongside the previously announced Sex in the City icon Kim Cattrall, as well as actor, singer, songwriter, and YouTuber Miss Benny. In the show, Power will portray McKinley, uh, I guess. McKinley? McKinley? <laughs> McKinley. Sure, McKinley. Sure. Let's go McKinley. A seemingly 
guileless corporate consultant who rolls into town to help make a business deal happen. Although she seems wholesome and unsophisticated, those appearances are deceiving as Mikhaile possesses a lot of backbone and business acumen. Now, Glamorous tells the story of Marco Mehe, played by Miss Benny, a gender non-conforming queer young man whose life seems to be stuck in a place until he lands a job working for legendary makeup mogul Madeline Addison, played by Kim Cattrall. It's Marco's first chance to figure out what he wants out of life, who he actually is, and what it really means for him to be a queer. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of good stuff with diversity and like welcoming people into communities. Good stuff. Good stuff. Netflix has revealed a second installment of its two-picture deal with Lindsay Lohan, (laughs) announcing the actress will star in a romantic comedy, Irish Wish, in a film. Uh, Now, Lohan will play Maddie, a bridesmaid attending a wedding in Ireland between her best friend and the love of her life. After a wish gone airy, Maddie wakes up in a world where she becomes a brothered, uh, becomes the betrothed, only to discover that reality isn't really what she wants. Irish Wish will be the second Netflix set comedy to star Lindsay Lohan. This first is uh, Falling for Christmas, which uh, set debut on the streaming service November 10th. The holiday meet cute features Lohan as a newly engaged heiress who takes the tumble of skiing and wakes up in a case of amnesia. Mm. So very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Do we need Lindsay Lohan? Do we need, yeah, Lindsay Lohan in general, but I guess I whatever. Mean, Sure, let's throw her in a holiday movie. Why not? That's okay. I am excited about this one, though, because I loved the fucking Ted Bundy one, so this is going to be exciting. Netflix has apparently set a third installment of Joe Berlinger's Conversations with a Killer docuseries. This one is set to focus on everybody's favorite serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, titled Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes, the three-part series will launch October 7th on the streamer. Netflix says the docuseries features never-before-heard audio interviews between Dahmer and his defense team, delving into his warped psyche while answering these open-ended questions of police accountability through modern-day lens. Mm. I mean, Dahmer was a sick motherfucker, so those tapes are going to be interesting to hear. That's yeah, exactly. Saying. And I mean, when you think of serial killer, you think of this motherfucker, so it only makes right? sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix has opted not to order a second oh. season of <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil. It's action horror series loosely based off the popular video game franchise. The news, which comes a month after, month and a half after the series' July 14th release, is not entirely surprising as the drama did not have a particular strong showing on the netflix's top 10 and cost versus viewing is streamers leading renewal uh consideration and i mean i just you know maybe these video game adaptations are not the best thing but who knows man who right knows? Right? Okay, jumping over to Apple. Causeway, a new drama starring Jennifer Lawrence as a soldier adjusting to life after returning home to New Orleans, will premiere on Apple TV Plus on November 4th. The streaming service also announced that Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues, a documentary about one of the founding fathers of jazz, will hit Apple TV Plus on October 28th. Both films are world premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, where the company is screening five features, the largest number of Apple originals to debut at a single film festival obviously riding the success of coda the oscar winner oh yeah i just have to say this jennifer lawrence is one of the best actresses of our generation she's phenomenally gifted and talented 
don't have her do some fucked up New Orleans accent <laughs> in this film. Please tell me they didn't do that. That's all I'm saying. Just saying. Just saying. This next one is super exciting because yes. we love John Hamm. Yes. And he is joining one of our favorite Apple TV shows, The Morning Show, along with Tig Nortraro. They're both joining season three in recurring roles. Uh, Ham will appear in the third season of the drama series as Paul Marks, a corporate titan who has set his sights on UBA, Ooh. pulling Corey, Alex, and Bradley into his powerful orbit. While Nataro will portray Amanda Robinson, his chief of staff, Ooh. other uh, previously announced cast members include Nicole Bahari, as well as returning uh, Juliana Margulies. Uh, season three is currently in production right now, so I'm super pumped to see that one. Hell yeah! I can't. I, you knew John Hamm was coming. All the promos right. that they were doing about how he was left out, yeah. you knew he was. It was fucking brilliant marketing. For sure. Speaking of people who know how to market, exactly. Uh, Vanessa Shaw has signed on to join Apple TV Plus's Swagger for season two. Shaw joins the series playing Diane, the chairwoman of the Cedar Cove Prep School board, and also the mother of one of the school's basketball players who is very invested in her son's performance on the court. Now O'Shea Jack. Jackson Jr., Isaiah Hill, Shinoza Azora, Quivizani Wallace, Khalil Harris, Tristan Mack, Wilds, Tessa Ferrer, James Bingham, Solomon Arama, Ozzy Zara, and Jason Rivera are all reprising their roles for the second season, just in case you were worried about any of them not coming back. Yes, for sure. <laughs> have you started that one yet? I have not. Man, I really need to get on that so one. So good. So I do. good. Well, Daniel Stern has been cast in season four of For All Mankind. The news comes about a month after For All Mankind was renewed for season four. Now, production on the new season is underway. For All Mankind is an alternative history series that explores what it would have happened if the global space race had ever ended. Has never ended. Uh, the series presents a world where nasa astronauts engineers and their families find themselves in a center of extraordinary events seen through a prism of an alternate history timeline a world in which the ussr beats the u.s to the moon stern joins the series as series regular eli hubson as a new administrator at nasa a former auto industry CEO, he's been tasked with bringing uh, bringing the agency into the 20th century, uh, 21st century, a challenging much bigger than he anticipated. So we'll see how that one is. I want to jump on that one, too. It sounds like an interesting premise where Russia got to the moon first and everything is different. That I just, I don't know. I it need does. to get on that. Colin Farrell's upcoming Apple series Sugar has added a few cast members, five to be exact. James Crowell, Anna Gunn, Dennis Botoker. Alex Hernandez and Lindsay Pulsefiver have all joined the series. Now, Cromwell and Gunn will recur, while Butiscaris, Hernandez, and Pulsefiver will be series regulars. Along with Farrell, previously announced cast members include Kirby Howell Baptiste and Amy Ryan. Exact plot and character details for the show remain under wraps, aside from the fact that it is described as a genre-bending contemporary take on the private detective story set in L.A. Mm, very interesting. Okay. Well, Jennifer Conley is set to star opposite of Joel Edgerton in the oh. Apple series adaptation of the Blake Crouch novel Dark Matter. The nine-episode series was ordered at Apple back in March, and it will follow Jason DeScene, a um, psychiatrist, uh, or a psychic professor, and a family man who one night while walking home in the streets of Chicago is abducted into mm. an alternate version 
version of his life. Now, Wonder quickly turns into a nightmare when he tries to return to his reality amid the multiverse of his lives he could have lived. Now, in this uh, limitless of mind-bending realities, he embarks on harrowing journey that get back to his true family and save them from a most terrifying, unbeatable, imaginable situation, a foe himself. Hmm. Very deep, that man. That sound... sounds like a mind trip. Is are you sure Jesus did not like drop acid? Like yeah, what the right, fuck? Like, like, no, I mean that, that that's cool though. So he's like kidnapped. He's in these alternate realities. He's yeah. facing himself and then trying to get back to his actual reality. Yeah, it's like quantum leap meets Oppenheimer meets whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah all sounds, this different shit. Tripping, yeah, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that is the industry, new guys. That I mean, man, we had a lot to cover. We've been gone. We've been yeah, gone. So we had a lot. Three to weeks, cover. man. <laughs> exactly. But man, oh man, it's now time for our guest segment. That's right. We have the one, the only, the two, Cody Kearsley and Rob Wiley coming on to talk about their highly, highly awesome film, River Road. Yeah, man, oh man, I'm super pumped to talk to them oh my gosh i can't wait for you guys to hear this interview just some of the it's one of the most fun interviews we've ever done because like you said at the top of the show it's just four guys talking about filmmaking and how it's done and and the joys of up and down i mean though the story they tell about shoot, shooting the scene of the robbery of the store yeah. is worth the whole interview alone exactly. you guys i just love it man for sure for sure well here they are rob wiley cody kearsley welcome inside the crazy ant farm guys how are you what's up <laughs> man we're super excited to talk to you guys man we, we've checked out the trailer and, and we think the film looks pretty damn intense we're going to be talking all about the film telling everybody all about it uh and you know a whole bunch more of what's going on with you guys so what we like to do to start off the interview is kind of give a little introduction to the fans who might not be familiar with you guys um and just kind of you know tell them about how you got started in the industry what's the game plan uh was it something you guys always intended on doing did you know early on this is this was the dream or did you guys kind of fall into it or what i think me and cody both got started pretty early you know yeah um, i i've played guitar when I was young, seven, came from an artistic family. My dad's a bit of a writer. So the movie thing kind of started more in my teens. I was doing acting, you know, theater kind of in high school. And then, yeah, then music and then being in rock bands, started doing music videos. And then, uh, yeah, then gradually kind of moved up to doing um, feature films, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I started young as well. I started in, in dance when I was like three. Um, I did plays throughout school, uh, high school and in summer, and like some summer musicals and that kind of thing. Was in band. I just was always kind of creative. But I went to I went to theater school when I was 18 for three years. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what uh, started my acting journey where I dedicated like everything towards the craft of acting. And so did you think the path was you were going to be a stage actor theater kind of a thing, or did you always know you were going to make the transition? And if so, how was that transition? Cause you know, playing for the back row is a whole lot different when the camera's right in front of your face. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I was ever going to be an actor. I just growing up, I just liked performing. I didn't really have a specific thing. I knew what I was going to do. I just was enjoying it and was kind of seeing where it went. Um, when I, when I started theater school, that's when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for my career. This is what I want to do for my life. And I think I, I always wanted to do television, film, and theater. I think I wanted to do all of it, but my passion was definitely theater. Um, nice. So that's where I wanted to build my career first. And that's kind of, I wanted to do Broadway. I wanted to 
you know, go to the West End maybe potentially. And like that's that's what I wanted to do. So I thought film and television would be farther down the line. Hmm, okay. For sure. Very yeah. interesting to see how everybody's lives play out. But we want to jump right into the film, River Road, Man, Oh Man. We love talking about this type of subject matter because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows in this entertainment industry that we all know and love. And something that's beautiful about our podcast that we do, we have an industry news segment where we talk about literally everything, the business, who's getting cast and what and everything. But we talk about how there's a good side and there is a dark side. And especially in the music industry, which is a lot of what's going on in y'all's film, um, it can be very dark and you can get caught up with a lot of the wrong people and a lot of the wrong crowd. So give me a nice little pitch, a nice little elevator pitch, as they say, Rob, of what this film is about so you can get the listeners in on it. Well, yeah, Cody plays a uh, rock guitarist. Uh, named Travis mm-hmm. and he uh, meets a young lady who's a bit of a free spirit and they <laughs> start a, uh, an intense... it's always a woman man it's always a woman <laughs> <laughs> but he's like at the beginning of the film you know he's partying but he's trying to like clean up his act a little bit but uh, you know just in the kind of rock band sensibility and then um, yeah and then him and Zoe the uh, the other lead character they kind of you know, it start to indulge a bit too heavily. And they start, as you mentioned, Logan going down that dark path and mm. really taking it all the way. And, um, you know, they meet some characters, uh, you know, along their adventures and uh, it gets pretty intense. We tried to, ra- you know, really ramp up the tension. So, you know, I've heard that people, you know, the feedback is people get caught up and, you know, it does tend to, you know, hit that gritty dark place but then it also you know has a lot of uh there's some a little bit of comedy thrown in there as well and then some action so by the third act it should just be balls to the wall there's some twists and turns kind of craziness that's the game plan take you on a bit of a whirlwind journey yeah love it well and i think you know the reason that everybody's saying you said the feedback is that you know everybody kind of gets caught up in it or whatever it's a, it's because you know nobody wants to admit it but we all have someone that's there, right? Someone like that, that's gone through that or is going through that, that we can relate to. And I think that's when films and, and, and art works best is when you can connect and find something that you can go with that, you know? And so Mm. rightfully so. And the trailer is by far intense. I mean, just even seeing the trailer, it's pretty intense. So you guys both brought up bands. So I, I, I'm kind of just wondering what was the inspiration behind this? And did you guys experience a little bit of that dark side and, and were you able to be in and out of it or talk about that a little bit? I mean, well, uh, hmm, where did I start? This? I've, I've been around addiction quite a, quite a lot in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sober. Uh, I have a lot of people in my life who are sober or trying to get sober. Right. Um, I worked at a, I was volunteering at a rehab center throughout uh, COVID, um, and I still go back there once in a while. Um, and just you know, growing up and throughout my life, I've, I've been kind of around it a lot. I worked in nightclubs quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I worked in bars quite a bit. So you know, I saw some stuff. Um, so it's definitely been a part of my life. I've seen I've seen some of the dark sides to it. So this yeah. was this was kind of a cathartic experience diving into that. Well, I was yeah, I was just about to ask, are you like trying to replay those moments while you're portraying your character? Um I don't I don't think necessarily that gets into the territory of uh it just gets into a little bit of a ter- uh, dangerous territory. For sure. But I definitely can draw from experiences and know what that 
that those feelings are like and then just that's kind of a starting point and then I usually build everything around what's already what's in the script you know what I mean like I get inspiration from my real life but I don't necessarily um dive into those relive those same moments if that makes sense right hey, hey man we've all seen that dark side too right where people get a little too involved and in, in too engulfed in the character with their own yeah. experience and that doesn't mm-hmm. end well as we've seen it with unfortunately so many uh, and much respect for you for the sobriety and for working at the rehab and, and do, I mean, I think that stuff is so critical and so needed. And for, for somebody like yourself to be able to do that. And, and I mean, much respect for you. Um, uh, Rob, how about you, man? Did you draw from any experiences? Where, where did the, where did the idea for the film come from, man? Well, yeah, I mean, being in, in the rock and roll band, you know, my best friend, uh, you know, went all the way, all the way deep, but in our movie, it's more focused on heroin. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was more into, and the people, a bunch of my friends close to me was doing alcohol, cocaine, and then it it got into crack, which was kind of a big, about 10 years ago, it was a big thing around Vancouver, uh, and Victoria where I am. So it was more, you know, that was down that path. So when writing it, it's kind of similar to what Cody was saying, which is in writing it. Yeah. You have all these experiences. I was more of like the caretaker kind of guy when it comes mm-hmm, to yeah. the witness, I'd say, um, and, and around it as well. So you draw from those experiences, but at the end of the day, you're writing a creative story. You're trying to entertain kind of like a modern day Bonnie and Clyde. So you kind of have both, you know, you use a lot of the things, but you're not actually, you know, it's not a diary. It's not exactly what played out, but it's, you know, very similar situations, but different at the same time. Right. Mm. But cathartic, right? Like, oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's the yeah. best way to, sometimes you could just work shit out while you're writing. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, and that's what we try to do with the movie is to have, I like movies that do kind of put you through an emotional cathartic, uh, you know, put you through the ringer. Like I remember first seeing Magnolia uh, mm. when I was like in high school, I was like, yeah, I was like, whew, I just went through <laughs> the whole experience with that. It's so intense, man. I like that kind of stuff. I hopefully people, it takes them on a little bit of a roller coaster ride and they have some catharsis. Right. I'm just loving that the young guy dropped Bonnie and Clyde. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. A film fan. You can tell. All right. <laughs> exactly. I really enjoyed, you know, I, I'm super excited to see the film. It's all on uh, Apple TV right now, right? Apple right TV. There. Yeah. And then it's dropping on uh, Amazon and YouTube movies and Google play at the end of this week. So fantastic. Everybody mark that on your calendars, but I'm super excited to watch it because it was for me, it was very reminiscent of um, candy. If you guys have seen that with Heath Ledger, um, I love candy. It's one of my favorite movies. So it's one of my favorite as well. Heath Ledger is one of my all time favorite actors, but something like that too. And especially recently, um, I've been having a family member that's been going through kind of the same type of situation. So this this film really hit home and, you know, it can be kind of controversial at the same time. So what do you do and what do you say about the people who give you that backlash? Because, you know, not all content is, quote unquote, family friendly content. So what do you say to those people who give you those backlash, even though you're trying to tell an important sto- story in the sense to you know, try to avoid that type of situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, speaking of candy, actually, Cody told me about candy. I hadn't seen it. I watched it right before production. Yeah. Told me about that. That's cool. Um, Yeah, to be honest, I haven't really had any backlash as far as from any kind of community or addiction. You know, again, my 
you know, my close friends who are now sober watch right. the movie. And again, you can't really worry about that too much. You kind of just got to do what you think is, uh, you know, make the movie you want to see and tell the story you want to tell. And, you know, just trust that you're doing an honest, you know, what I think is an honest portrayal. And again, it is fiction. It's not a documentary. But yeah, you kind of just have to trust your instincts and, and go with it and not worry too much about, you know, what people are going to think, you know? Yeah. Well, I always go to like, if you don't piss somebody off, you didn't do something right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at it that way, right? You can't please everybody. And if everybody loves it, then it, it's something's wrong. I mean, you know, no, you gotta no. have somebody fucking hate it somewhere. Right. Like that's the whole goal, man. <laughs> um, talk about the casting process because the, the cast is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just, you get, you get little glimpses when you're watching it and it, it, it's just, it's so deep and it's so dark. Um, talk about the casting and then talk about how you guys dealt with that on set because it is pretty heavy and it does get pretty dark. How did you kind of keep things live and on the set and not get caught and trapped up in that? And was it during like, cause COVID kind of changed everything, right? It just kind of made it all kind of dark anyway, when you're on yeah. set and kind of just trying to figure you're walking out of bubbles and you're doing all this kind of shit, yeah. getting the temperature and everything. Talk about that in the process of the casting and what it was like with such heavy uh, content. Well, we we shot the movie pre-pandemic, actually. That's good. So we weren't dealing with that. Uh, as far as casting goes, I mean, it's just kind of, I don't know, Cody, you know, you, you just produce an independent film. I don't know what your casting process is. It's wild because you're just like, we kind of set the dates. You know, the project did get pushed a bit because we did have another actual lead actor drop out. And then we pushed financials, stuff happening. And by the time you're shooting, you're just lucky that you're even shooting. Um, as far as casting all, all the different roles. So when we cast Cody, so the thing was, you know, the project get, kept getting pushed back. There were other lead actors involved, ended up dropping out. So literally we had scheduled, it was the beginning of September mm. and we had to start shooting then just our schedules, the weather we needed. So I hit up Cody and literally we had one week to start shooting <laughs> and Cody was 100% down, man. And it was like, in fact, Cody was on iZombie on the Friday, and then we started shooting on the Saturday. Boom. Damn. To be honest, Cody, how I forgot about you... that. Pardon? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Cody, did you like kind of having the pedal to the metal and just diving in without overthinking and just kind of grinding with it? Yeah, I was actually talking to, about that on a different interview the other day. Because um, when you approached me, it was like two weeks to filming or something like that. It was, a, it was like under two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So, and for me, I was, I was like on Riverdale at the time and I wasn't, I didn't really have many lines. I kind of had a line here and there. So when he approached me with a script, I actually had some, you know, real meaty character development and some, some shit I could dive into. Mm. Um, and like a lead role, I was like, yeah, I, I want that film experience. I want to dive into this. It sounds hella fun. Even though it was like under two weeks. Um, <laughs> I think that like that manic, uh, pedal to the metal type of mentality we had going into this just suited the story. It suited the character. Hell yeah. Um, like me, me and me and Lexi who plays Zoe met up and right away we just, we stopped eating. I think we went two weeks without eating in prep. We didn't really have much time. That was like, that's the only thing we could really do um, to kind of get in the mindset. So we're just like, stop eating. And we we're kind of each other's support in that. <laughs> um, yeah, we went hard. We, we jumped in. Yeah. We were doing some wild stuff. And, um, like, Rob is able to improvise, like, 
figure shit out on the fly like no one else I've ever seen. Like some of the stuff we were able to just do and like yeah. solving problems, figuring stuff out in the moment. Like it was, it was incredible. We just, we went. Well, that's the whole world of indie film right there, right? Expect it. Yeah. And you've got to be able to adapt like that. I got to tell you, though, it speaks volumes to the talent of all of you, cast and crew, to be able to have that happen and just jump right in because not at any point would you ever think that that was the reality of the situation. The chemistry between the actors, the flow of the story, the content just from what we've seen is amazing. So that's that's huge props to the talent involved and how you guys were able to adapt and overcome a situation like that. Because that's not always easy, man. You get thrown into a pressure cooker like that. Sometimes it's just not able to overcome. And what you guys were able to pull off is amazing, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, it was a lot of, like, you know, like, even... Just our co-producers, Rob Abadi and Ethan Atrell, you know, and then Cody and Lexi. Yeah, I mean, remember, Cody, there was, we were looking for a place to find shoot this one scene. Then all of a sudden we were shooting a different scene. Then there was a beach fire. and We were like, oh, you know what? Let's just shoot that scene. Let <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it looked way better than what we were planning. And that's kind of part of the deal. Uh, you know, you guys know indie filmmaking. It's kind of part of the deal where you just kind of got to – it's scary, but – if you just push forward, it usually works out better than what you thought it was going to be. Exactly. You know? Sometimes yeah. it's just you get the best shit when that happens. It's like yeah, you didn't totally. even think about it, but there it is. And like, yeah, yeah, that's why – it's one of my most yeah, favorite they, things about indie filmmaking is that rush and is the yeah. unknown and you just got to fly with it, man. Yeah, it's scary though. It, it can oh, get stressful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> things get wild there but yeah and they, like again cody another one another scene i really like sorry we're talking about scenes i know you guys haven't seen the movie yet but no it's all good when, cody you're on the phone call and we started shooting at one time and then it started raining and we stopped but then when we did the reshoot we had figured out a way better background with the cityscape you could see the whole city and yes. it turned out way better so again these happy accidents is what it's all about you know and uh That's right putting the pedal as Cody said putting the pedal to the metal and just grinding it out because it's all it's all we could do you know exactly. there was a there was one night where we just drove around vancouver city like downtown uh and we just jumped out we're just like gorilla style and filming in different <laughs> fuck the permits we don't need permits let's go like <laughs> I've never even I've never seen a permanent mind. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love that shit. For like some of those shots, I think one of them was in the one was on the poster, isn't it? The one where well, we're smoking at those lights. So what Cody's talking about is um, this one scene where again it, it worked out really great. Everyone talks about it too. It's where they're downtown Vancouver and there's all these lights flashing, kind of a neon cityscape. And we literally had nothing planned. I was just going to follow you guys around with the camera, almost music video style because there was no dialogue. Yeah. And we got to in downtown Vancouver. It's called the uh, Art Gallery. And then it ha we didn't even know. It had all these crazy flashing lights that would go different colors. And, yeah, we got the poster shot from there, all sorts of cool stuff in the trailer from there, and just completely by accident. 100%. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because that's a hell of a trailer, bro. So like the fact oh, that that's yeah, accident yeah. is fantastic, uh, man. Well, we shot we shot pretty much the whole movie with the three person crew. So <laughs> we pulled yes. off, you know. Hopefully, we pulled off some stuff. Um, I hope you guys, yeah, 
are able to check out the movie and kind of see what kind of shenanigans we pulled up. Dude, so inspiring for all of our listeners because we, we, we the yeah. podcast is built on our listener base is built on people trying to get into it, you know, and yeah. it can be scary and all this. But these type mm. stories that just you can do it, you can run with it, even yeah. if everything goes wrong, you can still make this film and have it get out there and yeah. have it be seen and have it be good. It's such an inspiration to hear stories like that, man. You guys are kick ass, man. Like for real. Oh, cheers, yeah, awesome. of course. Thanks, of course. I'm glad, yeah. But something cool <laughs> something that I'm really curious about, because we started doing this on the podcast a couple months ago. Um, there has to be like an embarrassing moment <laughs> that was on set that you guys were like horrified by at the time. And then now you're just you're laughing about it. It's something you can move on past. <laughs> Look, <laughs> he's he's just something. that smile. He's got some. <laughs> Cody? <laughs> no, I can't say it. Robin knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it? Oh, I'm not saying it, though. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. <laughs> oh, bro, come on. You got to share. You can't just drop that and then not go with it. Come on now. Uh, it, um, it's going to be like fucking Pulp Fiction. What's in the box? Like, what's in the fucking suitcase? Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know for actors, it might be different for me. The whole production is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember uh, like when Sonny came on, like, you know, he's a, he's a professional stand-up comedian and you try to be like, you know, we're doing a movie. It's got, you know, Cody Kearsley from Riverdale. And then he comes out to the, my like production minivan. I've got like, just like duffel bags of like, the fucking, you know, uh, the wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, and, just know, everything. So ghetto. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But acting, I mean, it's different. You're more exposed. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those things where you just have to be absolutely not self-conscious at all because there is one scene where I can't remember if you had this location already planned out or if you just went into a store and kind of like offered guys some cash, but we robbed a, a convenience store and we kind of just <laughs> there at one point and – there was people in a bar like across the street watching us like robbing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Oh, what's happening right yeah. now?" <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so best on, but that could yeah. be a little awkward with no permits, right? The police are called. Hey, these guys are robbing the store. Like, hey. <laughs> well, here's the deal. So we had to do the store robbery scene, and then um, Rob again. It switched locations last minute, and our other pr- producer, Rob Abade you know, offered them a hundred bucks for one hour <laughs> filming. And then by the time we got there, you know, we checked it out. We started to set up. So we had half an hour to do that whole yeah, scene. Nice. We had a PA. It was the only time we actually had a PA on the <laughs> in the vest outside. So no one would come in when we had the guns and we banged that puppy out. Oh three takes, three angles, boom, done. And then it's in the trailer. It's in the, yeah. it's, you know, it's in the movie. It's an intense scene. It yeah. Yeah. We just there's, there's a lot of stuff like that, like kind of just uh, there would be like just some you know some civilians around, and you kind of just have to <laughs> ignore them and just dive in and not worry about what they're what they're thinking. Hell yeah. Dude, so much. Uh, it just brings back so much stuff. Look, we, we we've all been there. I loved how you said. You know, you, he shows up to your ghetto set like kind of a thing. Dude, we had to wrap one day early because it started to storm really bad, and and we we just finished up whatever we could. We knocked it out. The rain was coming and everything. We show up the next day with all these people, and the whole fucking roof had caved in. The whole bottom floor is flooded. Everything is a fucking disaster. And we're like. Yeah. Uh, 
just move past that. Let's go upstairs to where we're shooting. Fuck that. Let's just go. But yeah, it's one of those moments like, oh, this doesn't look good at fucking all, but we're going to move past this and everything is fine, guys. Trust us. <laughs> Hoping to God the equipment is good. Everything is fine. But yeah, we've all been there, man. That's like, I don't know. For me, it's just, it makes everything even better. It's just the fun part of fucking doing it, man. Cody, Cody comes to, I think what was great was working with Cody was you came from theater, Cody, right? And you had a company. So you were used to fucking ripping tickets at the door, you know, (laughs) you know, even though you're on a Netflix show and all that. So Cody was great. And Lexi too, they were both down for whatever, switching up last minute, you know, cause they kind of get it in. To be honest, there's always a couple actors that come and they're like, what? You got no first AD. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's all part of the game, you know. Oh man, the best though, like, and and mad props, Cody, because you know, not having the ego, not having to check the ego at the door. Yeah, I'm on a big show, and I'm still ripping tickets because that's the art. That's what I do. It's all about, you know, that, that's the way it should be, right? You, you, once yeah. you start getting that ego in the way, you got to th- then that becomes a problem, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, I find theater is is very um, um, collaborative, and yeah. film is more of a hierarchy and you know watching the way people treat the actors on set like they you don't even have to tie your own shoe people are bringing you coffee people are like dressing you people for are, sure <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen i've seen people kind of start expecting that and demanding things so um i you know it's i'm grateful to have come from a theater background and and have, have the mentality that literally every single person is part of the project is just as important as the yes. other. You know what I mean? So we're all creating the same piece of art. So agreed, yeah. man. Agreed. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and sticking with us through all the trials and tribulations. <laughs> Y'all are freaking awesome. It's almost like it was an indie film project. Yeah, like, literally. <laughs> and I got to say before we go, Rob, I have that picture of Kurt Cobain that's behind you. I have that in, uh, oh, cool. yeah, in my childhood bedroom still. So that's hilarious. I love that picture um but guys let them know where they can follow you all the listeners because you know it's all about social media right now yeah you just go to if you go to uh instagram just at river road movie you'll see my link up there i think cody's on there too but that's kind of probably where you could find it at river road movie on instagram fantastic love it love it well guys like i said thank you so much we're super pumped to see the movie and we're going to be promoting this thing like crazy when we finally see it because it looks absolutely badass like i said touches home so yeah i'm really excited Cheers, guys. Thank you. Hell yeah, man. And keep rocking, dude. What you guys are doing is fantastic, and we need more people like you because that's what the industry is all about, man. Cool, guys. Well, thank you for supporting it and understanding it. Hell yeah, man. That's how we all do it. That's how we get to live the dream every day is supporting each other, man. It's the only way to get through it. Appreciate it, guys. Exactly. exactly. All right, man. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, bye. See ya. Oh, man. Oh, man. That was a freaking great interview. Woo! <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I love, though, that when you're talking about things that are going wrong and all the kind of stuff, shit literally goes wrong. Literally. I mean, that is life, y'all. But, like, like that's how you do it. Yeah. You just overcome, you ride, you adapt, and you make it happen. And just everything about those guys is awesome. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Thank you again, Rob and Cody, for coming on the show. All right. Now it is time for the top five segment. Man, oh, man, it is top five films that should have a sequel. Mm. which is very interesting because you know some of them they're like a nice hit it and quit it one (laughs) simple thing but you know there's some things that you wish you could know 
what they're doing, what these characters are doing. Well, and I think this is like our producer Jason having fun with us because every week we bash the shit out of fucking sequels, and yeah. he's like, "Hey, let's do one where they should have a sequel." Exactly, so this exactly. one was a pretty good one. Um, for me, number five goes to Ten Things I Hate mm. About You. Everybody knows I love Heath Ledger, and I would have loved to see. I can't do it now, obviously, with so many different <laughs> reasons. Uh, Ten years. Oh, ago. Oh, you was, could, but you shouldn't. No, That's the never. Um, but and. Yeah, I want to know what happened. Like, either they could have done like a in college or like mm-hmm. in adulthood, figuring shit out. Are they all still friends? Is everybody still together? All of these good things. But I think that would have been very entertaining. And plus, they had an amazing soundtrack on the original, so I only feel like it would have been even better on the sequel. So that's why number five for me is ten things I hate about you. Well, in your description there about why you think, I'm just going to do an honorable mention because it's not on my list, but same premise. I, I would have said uh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I don't think you should fucking touch that movie, but if you're going to do it, it should be a sequel. Same line you just said. Where are they now? Are they all still friends? How are they functioning in society? I think that would have been cool. I think um, it would have been cool to be a sequel like the Monday morning after that. What? Or or that too, yeah. yeah. But that'd be hard to do now. Well, <laughs> Although yeah. de aging technology, fuck. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. <laughs> All right, my actual number five is one that dumbass Zasloff and the gang haven't fucking greenlit yet, but everybody fucking knows they should. I'm talking about, of course, Matt Reeves's The Batman. Yeah. Do I have to say more? It needs a fucking sequel. Everybody wants a fucking sequel. I don't, I don't have to say anymore. That, if you want to get it right, make a fucking sequel. The Batman. Just saying. Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson. Okay. Enough said. That my number five. Exactly. <laughs> number four for me is Solo, A Star Wars Story. This one got a lot of flack, but it was actually a fun, entertaining film. I don't know why so many people hated it, but, I mean, the marketing was rushed. It was kind of a rushed film, I will say that, but, I mean, it was good. I really liked it. It was really entertaining. I like old boy who played um, Han Solo there, and, I mean, fucking um, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover as fucking Lando. I just, you know, I feel like they needed more more time and more stories so and i mean you know fucking so did the director apparently (laughs) but it was just it's it's really good and if you guys haven't seen it go on disney plus and watch it but yeah number four for me solo a star wars story i think it was a victim of the the studio shit you know the legos guys got bailed and ron howard was called in to try to fix it real quick and like i agree with you i think it had it been done right maybe ron howard from the get-go yeah you know or or the lego guys from the get-go somebody from the get-go it it was a good movie that deserved a sequel and had it done right i think it would have been it would have been better and then i don't i don't know but i'm with you I, i would like to see more of that my number four is a movie i think everybody wants to see a sequel to it keeps being talked about keeps being rumored at which is a trend on mine by the way and i'd love to see it i think everybody's in on this i'm talking about hugh jackman evangeline lily real steel you know it's basically the rocky remake but with robots yeah um but it was a badass movie it was a really good like relationship family type movie between the father and the son and the bonding over this sport and it's set in the future you know where they're doing it with robots and everything but it was entertaining it was well written it was family friendly and we don't get a lot of those anymore and i just think everybody was on board for wanting to do this sequel so fucking make 
the sequel. Exactly. Like, I just, I think that's a good thing. Exactly. Is the kid a little bit older now? Is he, like, what's going on? Are they still champs? Do they need to come back and be champs again? Like, yeah. what's going I want to know. Exactly, man. Exactly. Number three for me is Focus. Will Smith and Margot Robbie's mm. film. I, I love the first one in the original. It was so good. There was so many complex character developments happening in it. And, I mean, there's so many different things in the United States and in the world that happens where you could pull off like this type of heist with this type of like events. Of course they focus on Mardi Gras in the first one. They could have went to like, you know, so many different things. So I think that would have been really fun. So number three for me is focus. I, it was a great film. I thought so too. I loved it. And a lot of stuff going outside that one too. The first rumors of infidelity with yeah. Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> it's Margot Robbie. I, you know, you know. Uh, my number three. Literally. <laughs> What's the, what? What? <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Uh, you know how many people out there have watched that video of her just reading? Yeah. Like, don't even say you Come haven't. Come on. My number three is long rumored to have be happening, I guess. Or will it, won't it, will it, won't it? Latest is it will. I'm fucking hoping it will. Because I don't think there's a single person that doesn't want to see this, especially now with the huge resurgence of my boy Keaton and the way they fucking wronged him with the Batman right now. Let's bring him back. Let's get him in. I'm, of course, talking about Beetlejuice. Mm. Winona Ryder's riding high right now, Stranger Things. Keaton is riding high right now with all of the success and the return that he's seen. What better fucking time to bring this movie back and just slam it home? I think Alec... <laughs> Maybe not Alec Baldwin. <laughs> but, nah, yeah. but it's a sequel, so we don't know. Maybe he's not needed. I don't know. But I really would. This was one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it was original. It was brilliant. Um, and I think it wholeheartedly deserves a sequel. I would love to see them re-team uh, to do it. And I'm hoping like hell it does happen. So Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Number two for me goes to Four Brothers. Ooh. Definitely. I love this film. I mean, just everything about it. And it seemed like, you know, after the murder and passing of their mother... You, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to check it out. For but sure. All the four orphan kids who were adopted by one lady and they became a family and they loved each other like crazy. Everybody gets into trouble, you know, tried to figure their shit out. Um, but, you know, when they they came back to Detroit to figure out who killed their mother and how all of that went down, I feel like, you know, after the situations that happened in the first one, they could have stayed in Detroit, figured like what else was going on because there were so many different shady and corrupt things that were happening and such a great cast. Tyrese Gibson, Mark Wahlberg, fucking Andre 3000. And I forget the tall white dude's name, but yes, such a great cast. Um, definitely check that one out. If you haven't seen it Four brothers. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic one. Okay. My number two, it needs not not only does it deserve it needs a sequel because the story's not over yet no, and i not. think everybody wants to see what's going on now right i'm talking about aaron sorkin and david fincher's brilliant telling of the creation of facebook the social network 
well, we all know that shit show and like what's going on and who doesn't want to see the sequel to that one and the current status of what's going on with Facebook and social media and Zuckerberg and all of the gang. Holy shit, would that be an interesting one to come back to, wouldn't it? Exactly. Like, Rebranding to Meta, testifying oh my, before Congress. Oh like, my God. All oh, Jesus, the political shit, fixing elections, like all the shit that it's been accused of, like selling people's personal information ads like god everything and and jesse eisenberg as zuckerberg to come back and address all that the way zuckerberg has addressed it and like could you see jesse eisenberg zuckerberg in front of congress fucking just Mm. being that he was so fucking good in that movie like oh my god please sorkin fincher do that shit exactly exactly number one for me goes to dazed and confused i would love to see what they would be doing in like college Mm. or like coming back for like Christmas vacation and yeah. seeing like where's everybody at if they didn't all go to college together because they were all thinking about either you know going into their hometown or staying in their hometown or I mean we could even be like senior year because it was they were juniors going into senior year when the events happened that one day when they were yeah. you know so I mean I feel like that would be a very interesting concept they tried to do like the same type of storyline in like today's time but I just didn't think it worked uh, uh, but, you know, hey, you can't do it now, but it would have been great to do it then. So <laughs> a lot of the, or I guess two of my lists, you cannot do now. You just can't. But because of things yeah. that happen and people are old, people are getting arrested and shit like that. But, you know, definitely think they would have been awesome fucking sequels to watch. <laughs> and don't digitally recreate it. Don't, don't fucking don't do, do it. it. <sighs> that You're right, though. That would be an excellent one. Agreed. Okay, my number one should have been made. It was long rumored to be made. At one point, it was greenlit and was going to be made, and then it wasn't, and then I don't know why. Um, they made Runaway Bride instead. Yeah. What? Like, no, you should have just done the sequel. Uh, and now they can't because Gary Marshall is dead, and I don't think anybody else could have directed it. Penny Marshall, maybe, but she's dead too. Yeah. And so I think any chance of this is just not going to happen, but I would still maybe sort of kind of let Reese Witherspoon do it. Maybe Reese could do it. I don't know. I'm of course talking about Pretty Woman. And if you guys don't know, it was a fucking brilliant sequel idea. I don't know why they didn't fucking do it. So get this, okay? We all know him. We love him, right? Vivian and her man. So apparently the sequel was set and Edward was set to run, he, he he's stepping away from corporate life. You know, he's still a rich tycoon, badass, bad, you know, guy. But he's stepping away from the corporate life. He was going to run for the U.S. Senate. Everything's swimming. Everything's going along. He's kicking ass in the polls. Looks like he's going to get it. And then uh-uh, somebody finds out that his now wife, Vivian, was a former hooker. Yeah. Uh-oh, <laughs> shit goes down. Spire on that political run. Like, what's happening? What's going to go on? Is it all going to be okay? I think it would have been a fu- it would have been a brilliant sequel back when they initially talked about it. Even more so now relevant, it would be a fantastic sequel. Make it they're going to age out of it fucking soon, guys. I mean, come on. You can't like you've only got a couple of years I think left to do it if you're going to do it. But I think it would be a great fucking movie. Agreed. I mean, don't you think people want to see them back together? again and have that and then like you know and what a relevant storyline it would be right now i'm just i'm sorry but i think it would be a great sequel fucking make it i don't know what you call it no Uh, you can't call it pretty woman too i i have no fucking idea what you would call it but i mean i love the storyline i loved i can't believe they greenlit it and then backed off of it because 
I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It sucks, man. Studios making mistakes since God knows when. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, we want to know what is your number one movie that should have gotten a sequel. Be sure to comment below in the YouTube section or the podcast section, wherever you're listening to it. Please let us know. We love the interaction. Or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Well, box office recap. The Invitation came in at number one last week with 6.8 million. Number two was Bullet Train with 5.6. Beast came in at number three with 4.9. Top Gun Maverick with 4.7. And Dragon Ball Super, a superhero with 4.7 at number five. But there are some new movies coming out you can go see. Gigi and Nate. Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, The Invitation, obviously still out, um, uh, 3,000 Years Longing, and a couple of other ones at our local cinemas, Jaws getting reissued, yep. uh, you can go see that, and a whole bunch of different things. But movies you can still go see right now, of course, are Beast, Bullet Train, uh, Super Pets, Nope, Thor Love and Thunder, and a couple others, but you know, these are the most notable ones. I gotta say, we have talked about it, we talked about it and talked about it, would, would, would we, won't we, would we, won't we, I did, I finally saw Bullet Train. I was fucking loved it. Yep. I was impressed as hell. It was a fantastic Brad Pitt movie. Everybody in the cast was brilliant. It keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. You really don't know what's going to happen. And uh, Sandra Bullock is pretty much a voiceover the whole entire fucking film until the very end. Yeah. Uh, but it works anyway. It, it, it's go see it. I don't think I didn't think I would ever say go see it, but I'm telling you, go see it. It's three dollar fucking cinema day. Goes, yeah. it's totally worth it. Exactly, it, and it's saying a lot coming from him because you guys know I love Brad Pitt, my top two actors right there. But I mean, not not very. No, high I'm on not list. normally a huge Brad Pitt fan. Yeah. I like him in some things, don't like him in other things. I fucking loved him in this film. Yeah, this was a great vehicle for him and. <laughs> Bullet train vehicle. No pun. Uh, Go see it. That's all I'm saying. Go see it. It's worth it. Yes, man. Yes. Well, now it's time for the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Man, oh, man. Of course, Top Gun Maverick is back at number one because everybody's talking about it, going back to see it. Um, The TV show, of course, House of the Dragon. If you guys have not jumped on it, please do it. So freaking good. I cannot tell you how good this thing is. Uh, this top trending star is Emma DRC. Yeah. So yeah, she's a top trending star. Killing it, man. Killing it. Well, guys, we got to thank our guests to plural, uh, for coming on the show one more time. Rob Wiley and Cody Kearsley. Yes. Thank you so much. That was such a fun interview. It was. Um, thank you for all the technicalities as well. Man, oh man, so fun, so fun. Fun fact, I guess, now that we're there and done and everything, our fucking systems completely failed in the middle of that interview and fucking we had to get back on Zoom, get back there, but you couldn't tell, could you? Because our editing was so spot and on. And they were just like, great. They were just chilling on their end, having having a conversation waiting for us. Like, exactly. They knew we were coming back. At no point did they think, you know, they were just, oh, hey, guys, welcome back. It was They were awesome. They man. were. You, you guys were fucking epic. Man. For sure, for sure. Uh, be sure to follow them on social media. And you guys know you can follow the podcast on social media, HitCap Podcast, anywhere and everywhere. The company, Crazy Ant Media, anywhere and everywhere. And you guys know you can follow us both personally, anywhere and everywhere, at JLoFantastic and at Guy 1970 Yes, sir. 
And you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, Our Heart Radio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching the video on YouTube, we appreciate you. Be Hell sure yeah, to hit that like button, subscribe to the video, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, for all the greatest things coming out of Crazy Ant Media. Of course, you can watch our film on there. You can watch a film on our YouTube channel as well. And you can buy some amazing Crazy Ant Media merch. Be sure to do so now. Limited supplies last. All the good things. But man, I'm just happy to be back talking about the entertainment industry that we both know and love. Oh my gosh. You know, we of course we, we need vacations. We need time off. You need to have a little space every now and then and kind of, you know, regroup, refresh, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I fucking miss it when we're not doing it. Yeah. We just have so much passion and love for this industry. And I feel like, you know, even when we're on vacation, we're totally fucking texting each other going, holy shit, did you see something? Yeah. Did you such such and it's like you want to get on the air or go live with saying something about it or whatever but uh it's just yeah man it, it's just i can't imagine life without it it's just like truly living the dream every single day and uh honestly guys if this podcast or us and our films or what we do can inspire just even one of you to go out there and be able to live your dream the way we get to do ours it's totally worth it and uh it's it's just a blast every single week and for all my michigan fans out there go blue uh final while you were watching us and we appreciate it 51 to 7 mm. fucking whooped colorado states ass colorado yeah i said colorado fuck you nah, just saying, man. Just 51 saying. to 7 what the fuck that's, go blue that's crazy that's crazy but you guys know you've been here for 206 episodes <laughs> you know how we freaking end the show with loving if you want it. Oh, bro!